You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. Saturday, January 13th, so just about eight days ago, at 8.07 in the morning in the U.S. state of Hawaii, every person with a cell phone was greeted with this message on their phone. It said this, and this is a picture of it. It said, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. As you can imagine, what followed was general but somewhat subdued chaos. People had no idea what to do. People wandered the hallways. Tourists that were in Hawaii on vacation, they wandered the hallways of their hotel, wondering if this was for real, asking one another what they knew. People hid in bathtubs and pulled mattresses over top of themselves or put mattresses up against windows to protect them. Some people even hid their children in storm drains. Some of the locals who knew the area better, they went to tsunami shelters or bomb shelters. Some people hid in parking garages or supply closets. For 38 long minutes, people thought the worst until the correction was finally sent out. This was a mistake. It was a false alarm. Someone pushed or clicked the wrong button on the computer. Whatever people were doing at 8.06 a.m., that suddenly became absolutely unimportant. As soon as this message came, everyone dropped whatever they were doing. You could say that their priorities went through an immediate reordering. Many people called loved ones and gave a final goodbye. No matter what people were doing, they dropped everything and they went somewhere. They tried to do something, even though most did not know what they were supposed to do. Well, what can make someone just drop everything? and radically reprioritize their lives. A message like this on your cell phone will do that, that there's an incoming missile. That certainly will do it. Uh, But we also see this happen in our gospel reading this morning. Uh, There's a similar reaction. Jesus simply said, follow me. And what followed was this dropping of everything, this radical reprioritization of the lives of these men. Peter and Andrew, they were right in the middle of casting a net into the water. Makes me wonder if they left the net there. It's a valuable item. John and James, they were working for their father's business. They left him right there in the boat together with the hired servants. They were in the middle of fixing their nets when Jesus called. 
All of these guys were successful fishermen by trade. Uh, Capernaum, where Peter was from, that was kind of the center of the fishing industry in the Sea of Galilee. Often people say Jesus called uneducated workmen and fishermen for his disciples, but that's a little bit untrue. They were uh, educated, they knew Greek, and they were successful businessmen. They were successful entrepreneurs. Peter owned a home, we know. But they left it all there. They left their whole livelihood. Now the point of this is not you're supposed to do this. You need to leave your job behind and focus full time on religion. After all, Peter went back to fishing at least for a little while after Jesus died and rose. Even Paul, the super missionary, he uh, did ordinary work. He made tents in order to fund his work and to earn a living. No, the point of this story is not to abandon your careers to follow Jesus. Instead, this is about when Christ comes along into our lives, nothing remains the same. This is about all things coming into submission to our relationship with Christ. This is about if we are truly Christians, if we are truly disciples... If we are truly followers of Christ, then there is no part of our lives that remains untouched by his lordship. But of course, it does not always look that way. Sometimes our life looks more like a collection of individual containers. We have a a relationship container. Maybe we've got one for each important relationship in our lives. We've got our job container. And then over here, finance container. Leisure time is here. Vacation, uh, hobby, faith, life. And maybe we don't like those containers to run into each other or to overlap too much. I was always one of those kids that I did not like the food on my plate to touch Uh, the other food on my plate, especially if my mom had served cream corn as a side dish. I never wanted that cream corn to touch or contaminate the other food on my plate. It has its own spot, and every other food has its spot as well. No overlapping, please. No touching. No cross-contamination. We've all experienced where uh, maybe we run into a person from one part of our life and suddenly they're in this other part of our life. Like a work friend is suddenly at church or, or, or some other situation and it kind of throws us off for a few moments and often we don't like the feeling. For many Christians, that container for Jesus is kind of one hour a week on Sunday morning or maybe one hour on Sunday morning a couple times a month. Or maybe for some Christians, that spot for Jesus is one hour twice a year, Christmas Eve and Easter. That's his spot. And it's safe if we kind of keep him in that little area and put a nice fence around him. Then he does not affect our decisions on finance. He does not affect 
our decisions on whether or not we reconcile our relationships with work or family members, he's safely in his place. But that's just not what the approach of Peter and Andrew and James and John are. That doesn't look like what they did. They kind of left everything. They gave their whole life over, even their lives. In fact, of the 12 apostles, all 11 of them, other than John, they were all killed for their faith. They all followed Jesus so radically that they were executed by the Roman government. And all of this comes from what Jesus said uh, there in verse 15. He said, uh, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. Jesus was kind of saying, this new reality has dawned. Things are different now. God's active reign in our world has begun because I have arrived. The Son of God is here. And that should change everything for us. So instead of a, a, a life of containers that are neatly arranged with everything separated and nothing crossing over, our lives ought to become more like a wheel. And each of the areas of our lives are spokes on that wheel. Marriage, uh, family, job, finance, hobbies, volunteering, all of those are spokes on the wheel, and then Christ is at the center of all of those spokes. He is the connecting point of all of the aspects of our lives. And this is what Paul meant in his letter to the Corinthians. It's kind of a confusing reading, but uh, keep in mind what I just said as I, as I read that passage to you again. Paul says this, This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal in the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. There's nothing quite like knowing that your time on earth is very short to draw your focus very sharp. This is what happened in Hawaii a week ago. One minute people are drifting along in life. Maybe they're sleeping in on a Saturday morning or maybe they're making coffee or something like that. And then suddenly they're huddled together in parking garages and in closets with strangers. Then 38 minutes after that, they're hugging and shaking hands, and they're just very happy it was all a big mistake. Paul says our time is short. Paul reminds us that for Christians, we view this world as a temporary thing, something that we are passing through. But this world and its sin and its death and its tragedy this is not our permanent home. Therefore, he says, we don't prioritize our lives as if it is all that there is. 
Not just our spouse, not just our sadness, not just our dealings in this world. Instead, we recognize that all of this world, which is passing away, we take it and we fold it into our relationship with Christ. We connect everything to Him. I was trying to think of a personal experience, something similar to Hawaii, where they look at their phone and they think maybe this is it. And I did remember one thing that happened to me. Uh, When I was going to go to Mexico on a short-term mission trip, I was on a connecting flight from Dallas to El Paso, Texas. And uh, I got on the flight as normal with my college classmates and I was seated next to a young woman, another college student, but someone that I did not know. She was a stranger to me. She was from some other place. And I did what every normal American does when you sit next to a stranger on an airplane. I I pretended that there was a wall between me and this person. Uh, Maybe it's a see-through wall, but it's soundproof. And I did not bother her, and I did not look at her, and I just kept my eyes forward. Well, this airplane began to move down the runway and it began to gain speed. And just as we were at the moment where it should take off, everyone heard this loud popping sound. And then there was a waft of smoke. You could smell some kind of burning smell. Suddenly the pilot threw the plane into reverse, you know, threw the reverse thrusters on and the plane started to slow down very suddenly on the runway. We were all quite nervous. As the pilot was making his way back to the gate, he came on the speaker and he said, hello, Uh, you may have heard a popping sound. We heard that as well up here in the cabin. And so we are making our way back to the gate and uh, we all got off the plane. It turned out some air compressor, he said, exploded. And uh, that's not a good thing. So they fixed it. An hour later, maybe, maintenance came. They fixed it. And we all got back onto the same exact airplane. And we all got back into the same exact seats. But now my world had changed. Suddenly, I did not want this woman next to me to be a stranger. I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to say hello. I'm going to introduce myself. Because we might die when we take off (laughs) in this airplane. So I did just that. And we had a very nice and pleasant conversation. When you realize that things may be short, that time may be short, you act differently. Things change, and they can change in an instant. And that is the meaning of the call of Christ. John had been arrested, and now Jesus was kicking things off. The time had come. Peter, Andrew, James and John and others, they answered his call. And it was going to be this ongoing thing. Uh, Peter, of course, struggled. We all know this. He messed up. He sank down into the water. Uh, He got in Jesus' way. He fought when he wasn't supposed to fight. And then he was uh, weak and cowardly when he was supposed to stand up for Jesus. And uh, all the long, Jesus guided and corrected and restored him each step of the way. And this is how I see our call as well. Uh, 
the call of being a disciple is a daily call. Every single morning we wake up and we say, the fact that I am a follower of Jesus Christ is going to affect me today. It will affect my decisions. It will affect my priorities, my joys, and my grief. And then we do it again the next day. We remind ourselves, hey, I am going to mess up. I am going to make mistakes. But his call on my life remains, no matter what. I can never go back to just fishing for fish only. I can never go back to the boats. I have been changed. I am something new now. It's about following Jesus because he saved me. Because he redeemed me. Because he called me and he continues to call me every day. Amen.